the depths of hell, this is Mike D joining you now forever and always with Ms. Stephanie Crawford. Hey, Steph. Hey, Mike. <laughs> Did you, you you raised your voice to meet my, yeah, no, that's nice. That's Yeah, sweet. I popped a uh, blood vest on my forehead, but it was worth it. <laughs> Mr. Bradley for the fuckle sickle Henderson. Hey, Mike. Hey, buddy. And Dr. Sean Dreger. Did you put in cricket sounds? So much for cricket sounds. <laughs> no, Sean, Sean's like, why, why is Sean not here? Like, week after week after week. What is he doing? He's busy, man. Busy, yeah, in demand, audiobooks. He's the new king. Yeah. So what are, we, what are we talking about, Mike? Yeah. This week? Yeah, this week, th- th- right now, like right now, right now. Bradley, if you have clicked on this link, then you know, son, that we are doing an audio commentary of 1981's The Evil Dead by Dr. Sam Raimi. Round of applause. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> um, I don't know. W- w- what else do you want to say? Nothing. I'm going to count down right now. And get uh, hover over the play button. And, uh-huh. uh, what, okay, so I'm watching the Anchor Bay uh, Blu-ray. Steph's watching. Are you watching the Necronomicon DVD? No, I own the Blu-ray. I own oh. the DVD. But because I need to record this in a room that won't sound like an echo chamber, uh, I am watching it on a on an Amazon uh, Kindle. <laughs> from netflix oh okay all right <laughs> the fuck? so we're there's on, no tv in this room and i'm on uh i'm on voodoo i bought the bundle 14.99 for one and two in uh hd all right so um i'll burn over the play button and uh we're gonna do three two one play so three two one play there we go darkness there we go. Oh no, an ad for the Tiger King. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would have been terrible, terrible. So the Evil Dead, huh? You guys picked this, so I'm I'm excited we to sure know. We didn't. What a title, <laughs> though. I don't think we did. Did we pick the Evil Dead? So I will say I I do know a lot of filmmaking aspects. So uh, Sam Raimi's being pushed in a boat. Uh, by Bruce Campbell for this scene. A little dingy. I do know so that. So Bruce Campbell is essentially the motor. Yeah, he's the motor. Uh, Sam Raimi is controlling the camera, um, which, you know, Bruce Campbell uh, obviously was a producer on this on this picture, and um, he uh, did a lot as far as production-wise. He helped get it blown up to 35 and um, helped behind the scenes on the set he's actually running with the two by four in some of those scenes they uh were able to mount the camera to two by four and run run through the woods which that's the big thing that inspired me and there's the famous sam raimi car that's in all of his films what is that the the delta like 88 or something like that no 73 oldsmobile right yeah, yeah, it's 73 Oldsmobile, but it's like a Delta 88, I think it's called. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, though. <laughs> We're not car guys. There's the Lazy Mary. Not as famous, but very memorable. 
So yeah, speaking of the title, so this was originally the Book of the Dead, right? And then they tried tried out a uh, House of the Dead because apparently horror films that use house and dead do well in the box office. It wasn't but that the, glad... someone needs to mute it because I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, it's me, dog. That's me, buddy. I, I turned it down. So it wasn't, uh, it was um, the guy that produced the second one uh, that basically helped get this made was um, uh, Irvin Shapiro. I think he's the one that uh, is the one that suggested the change of the title. Right. Well, because he was from back in the day, like uh, working on distributing films in like the 1930s. Um, so he definitely brought a lot of experience. I think Sam Raimi was about 22 when they started making this. So yeah. someone like that was incredibly valuable to have around. I do know that they tried out <laughs> other titles. I, rem- I remember one, uh, I forget if it was at a convention that I heard Raimi say this, like during like one of the, you know, the, the Q and a sessions or whatever, but it, they tried the title blood flood for a bit (laughs) and i i when i heard blood flood i was like that's perfect i want to fucking make a movie called blood flood yeah that's fun just to say (laughs) yeah it was say uh, it try it out blood flood say it and then (laughs) and then it was also uh it was like 100 percent uh evil dead or something like that and then uh Bitches or Witches was another title that they were fooling around with, but obviously nothing really uh, stuck. Evil Evil Dead. But um, I like both. Book of the Dead, Evil Dead. It all works. This shot's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, apparently uh, it was so low budget in the middle of nowhere. Uh, When the actresses would show up to audition, they'd bring their boyfriends just in case it was a snuff film. Oh wow! I do. I knew know that one of the girls she would not meet them in a public. She had to like meet them. Was it? I forget where it was. She requested them to meet her somewhere ridiculous because she was afraid. Um, can't think of because most of them went to. I mean, we're talking. We're doing another regional horror film here. This is uh, all basically Michigan State alumni. Um, they just pretty much graduated or this where they already graduated because they were making this in because they came up with the idea in 77 i remember yeah they started filming in 79 yeah so 79 so they came up with the idea in 77 with uh um obviously i think they were doing uh research and obviously you know it was just horror films were easy to easier to sell at that time easier to get distribution um I think it was Robert Taper that actually came up, like was looking into that and they decided that because they were um, originally their first film, if I remember correctly, was uh, Sam Raimi wrote a a kind of an action film called um, Relentless. And it was about a uh, ball wrecker and a bulldozer going at it. Um, and it was just way too expensive for them to do anything like that. So, uh, this was the next step. And I think 
him and uh, was a Bruce Campbell. They were in history class together and they were studying the actual real book of the dead. And that's where they came up with the, the idea. They like, just make a movie around that. It's pretty cool. And there you go. That was the start of uh, all of this, which is the reason why they're, they're still around. It's, it's really interesting to watch kind of like, again, these regional horror films, all these guys working together and, you know, a lot of them just did this kind of like we did Night of the Living Dead already. It's just, they just did this and they moved on. Um, just working together to make things happen. But it's also really cool that, you know, a lot of these people, they were obviously friends growing up um, and they all knew each other from school or, you know, like I said, Campbell and Rainey knew each other growing up. I was um, thinking about this character today because Ash became such a cultural icon, pop cultural icon, that I think people forget about Scott. <laughs> He's kind of the bland, Scott, regular yeah. protagonist. Which is named after uh, Scott Spiegel. That was kind of their little homage to Scott Spiegel because that was another one of their friends who went on to you know, direct. Dust um, Till Dawn? That's Scott Spiegel? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was worked in horror. He did, uh, base, uh, director of Intruder was his big, uh, probably, impact on the horror, horror genre, which Bruce Campbell plays a cameo in at the end there. And it has both the Raimi brothers. What, what, what's Scott Spiegel? Oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's 10 years, but, or gosh. 15 years before uh, Dawn of the Dead or uh, from Dust Till Dawn, excuse me. Yeah, this, this is what we had to do before smartphones and the internet draw. <laughs> draw me like you draw the TikTok. So it's, 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 <laughs> it's funny that, you know, we, we picked this next because um, the similarities with Night of the Living Dead is really funny as well because they really did have this cabin that didn't have any running water, you know, plumbing, and they lived in it, and it was incredibly cold, and they were all miserable while filming. Kind of the same scenario, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, what you do for for film? I like how she draws SpongeBob here. <laughs> yeah, that's a very emotionally distressed SpongeBob. <laughs> she she predicted SpongeBob. I remember when Steph got hired for a Screamcast. I I put this GIF up of the, the woman writing here in the Book of the Dead. So this is uh, what's, what's her name? Sandra. Luck. Um, no, no, no. Clint Eastwood's girlfriend, Sandra Luck. No, I'm so bad with names when it comes to this stuff. Gauntlet. Who's the, she plays Ash's sister. Who is that? Well, anyways, so she was the one um, that worked with them even prior. So when they did, uh, you know, quote unquote, the prequel to uh, Evil Dead, which was Within the Woods, which was their short film that uh, they did to basically try to raise the money uh, for this, which... Um, I think they raised like $90,000 $90, in order to even start, um, you know, because it took them so many, like, what, two years to eventually, like, do the editing and complete completion of that time and blowing everything up to 35. 
Um, yeah. And also what really helped was uh, Irvin Shapiro, um, who, you know, helped them get this uh, basically, uh, you know, with, with distribution. Um, you know, they were, they, mm. they went with Dimension, I think, originally, with the, which they did uh, kind of like the Detroit, um, like Ohio, Illinois area. So they were doing those uh, those theaters around there. They would just take it to um, kind of those local drive-ins and local places. And then Irvin Shapiro actually talked them into, you know, doing uh, uh, basically getting international distribution. And that's what uh, saved them because eventually they went with New Line as for the wide wide release. And I know that they had really, really bad experience with New Line Cinema. They didn't make any money. They didn't get any money from them, even though the movie was incredibly successful. Um, well, they should have put Lynn Shea in there and then it would have been fine, right? That's true. Yeah, which is really <laughs> shitty with with Bob Shea, like, you know, doing that. Because, I mean, he I don't know if he was the president of New Line at the time, but he definitely was part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were thankful with Urban Shapiro, who basically uh, got them all these international deals, and that's where they made all their money. Um, right, and that's what I think solidified the film's reputation as well. Um, not even to mention it being labeled a video nasty, which I think ended up just made it more desirable, as yeah, those things this, usually do. Was this one of the first video nasty? Like, this is the first video nasty, right? Uh, I don't know about the number, but this is a big one. Yeah, I, I think this. I thought this is the one that kind of kickstarted everything, and then they just started slapping everything with uh, video nasty, even stuff that was made in the seventies before that, if I remember correctly. But I could be wrong. Please message me if I'm incorrect. <laughs> he loves it. All caps. <laughs> So it's uh, also Bruce, Steph, you, you've watched recently, read and watched a bunch of this stuff. Didn't Bruce Campbell like put up his family's property um, in order to get the film um, like more, even more financed at the end? I haven't run into that recently. All I know is that it it was an ordeal raising the money over the years. And it actually, I think it actually helped create the bond with all the Renaissance pictures, people that they kind of went through that. And I don't know, like, I, I guess when you're really trying to sell a creative vision, but you have to get into like the nitty gritty business aspects that no one wants to deal with that kind of create a blood brother situation. Yeah, because I, I think they initially initially did it with friends and family and stuff like that, and they raised 90, 90 grand, and then at the end, it cost them over like three hundred thousand dollars in order. This to is do a great thing. horror basement. My grandma had a basement like this, except she refurbished it, and she had a carpet, a wall art of John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> but otherwise, it's the same basement. My grandma had a basement like this too, and it was very wet, just like this. Yeah, that's a uh, caro syrup instead of water, so it's like drippier and thicker and a little slower. 
Yeah, Carolus Syrup should have definitely in, uh, invested because they use that like an official blood. sponsor. Yeah, they use that for all the blood too. Mm-hmm. I, I remember yeah. um, Bruce Campbell telling a story. I don't know if it was on a commentary or what, but uh, his shirt was so soaked at the end of shoots, and I guess he hung it up by the fire to dry off. And when he put it back on, it like broke. Yeah, the arm it, broke. <laughs> yeah, it hardens so much with the the Caro syrup, which no, like, is pretty fucking funny. Yeah, you can't fucking let Caro syrup like hang out to dry. He basically made a pancake out of his shirt. Yeah, the shirt would it break happens. in half for sure. <laughs> for shirt. Ah. <laughs> no, but like you said, uh, they kept getting things stolen so they'd uh rotate who would stay at the cabin or near the cabin and they were remodeling it uh while they were there they used uh the the crew members and kind of like okay today you're gonna work on uh cleaning up the cabin oh the hills have eyes that's the um shout out he started uh with Wes Craven yeah because um they had the Jaws poster and so Sam Raimi was like, no, we're the new in horror. And then in uh, to answer that, Craven put the evil dead in a nightmare on Elm Street where he had Nancy falling asleep while yeah. she watched it. And then I think in Evil Dead 2, they have Freddy's uh, glove in the cellar yeah. and in the workshed. And then in Scream, uh, when Stu has all the videotapes, he's like, okay, which one are we watching? and the evil dead is in there and they're like, uh, Halloween. <laughs> so it's like a back and forth nod, uh, to each other. I always thought that was cool. That's fun and sweet. Yeah. So you were talking about, I, I remember them also saying that, uh, there was, um, their power tools and stuff were all stolen because of like the rednecks coming by, but they left all the camera equipment. So they had all their power tools and all their stuff remodeling was stolen. But, well, uh, yeah, they know the value of that. They don't know the camera value, yeah. so <laughs> which they're lucky because that would have that would have halted production. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. But apparently, the community uh, there in Tennessee did keep them in moonshine. Yeah, more Morris was it Morris Morristown? Um, it was uh, yeah Morristown, which is near Knoxville, and. Then what they didn't shoot there, they shot in Marshall, Michigan. Because they're all Michigan boys. Yeah, like and then, then some of the um, pickup shots they were done in, uh, I think, like Robert Tape, uh, Robert Taper uh, basement, his mom's basement, I think it was, um, and a couple other people that they, but they basically just used whatever they could. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they had to. <laughs> Because they, they had, well, it was like six weeks weeks of filming. They did all of this. And then they had another, like, was it four weeks of, like, pickup shots and different things they had to do, which the only person that really came back to set was Bruce Campbell, obviously, because he's one of the only ones that was, you know, not a, uh, a shed. So uh, Ivan and Sam, uh, Ivan Ramey and then um, Ted Ramey, they're actually uh, the shemps throughout the film at times because they had to do the pickup shots. They dressed them up. Hey, what's family for? Yeah. (laughs) 
So now we're we're coming up to the infamous reading. As we all know, Latin in uh, horror films is bad news. Which they had they just blowing past the point that uh, Steph has a, an attraction towards Ted Raimi. Oh yeah, no, him and Sam. I think they're just the cutest, and they're so funny. Which, yeah, they are. Well, there's no story. Horrible. This is one of the um, shots they had to refilm because this is this is the story with they they all got really fucking high during that scene, and they were acting silly and goofing around. They had to go back and refilm it. Right, like it was uncontrollable. <laughs> yeah. Which I want to see that. Which, again, that was another thing. And I don't know if it's ever been seen, but the original cut of this movie is two hours long. And they had to cut it down to an hour and, what, 24 minutes? Just um, under 90, we'll say. Yeah, under uh, 90. The tree so. foreshadowing. Mm. But I have to, you know, not to wax Sam Raimi's taxi too much, but you think about the editing and the shots going on, you compare it to a lot of other first-time, low-budget, full-length horror pictures, and you can tell he was destined to become a capital D director. Yeah. There's there's just so many, like, really amazing ideas behind the making, especially it's out of focus shot with. Uh, with yeah. Like this is just beautiful. <laughs> uh, which you say editing, which is, that's another fun story with uh, Joel Cohen is actually one of the assistant editors, uh, Cohen brothers. Uh, yeah. Editors for this Ooh, yep. um, yeah. I was, I was thinking, um, so I was watching this the other day and I was thinking about, or maybe it was evil dead too, but I was thinking about the hand that you know runs through the uh, the the cabin, and and I thought about uh, Barry Sonnenfeld and his uh, his direction in the Adams Family, and then I was like, oh, there's a relationship between Barry Sonnenfeld and uh, the Coen Brothers, of course, because of Blood Simple. And then I was like, oh, there's a relationship because of the Coen Brothers and Sam Raimi, and I was like, oh, wouldn't this be like a perfect uh, uh, you know shot by shot with like the Coen brothers version of the hand and like the Sam Raimi version of the hand. And then I was like, you know what? No one gives a shit about any of this. And you know what? <laughs> well, no, they do. Cause that's uh, when, when they were doing the rap party, that's where Sam uh, met uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. He was uh, working as like a DP um, on some, like, uh, I don't know, some commercial stuff. And he was good friends with Cohen Brothers, and that's how they all got hooked up. <laughs> but before we get too far, it was um, that scene where um, she is looking at the pre- you know the gift and then looking at Bruce, and they're closing each other's eyes. When I was rewatching this the other night, I realized that they kind of do that same thing when she turns into a shunt, um, mm-hmm. and he's burying her. They kind of she keeps looking back, and then she closes her eyes. I thought that was a little fun like kind of call back whether that's intentional or not it was okay but brad you're being a little too inside baseball by calling her a shemp in that context let's call her a deadite <laughs> uh they're not deadites yet i know but you know revisionist history 
But let's uh, let's let's talk about Shemp. Let's talk about Shemp. Let's wait, talk let's about where talk term about comes from. <laughs> Bruce Campbell played Reagan on the Fargo television show, which is a tenuous <laughs> link by Wanda wrap up that Coen Brothers thing. <laughs> I'm like I'm a Marx Brothers boy by heart, like hundred percent. So like I love Sam Raimi, but like I I sometimes have a hard time with the Three Stooges references. See, I've never been a Three Stooges fan, but I like them through the Raimi uh, Evil Dead filler. Oh, the one boob shot that they felt pressured to put in, which you can kind of tell it. That's one of the few very shy shots of the film. (laughs) Like, sorry, ma'am, moving the camera along. Oh, Spongebob again. She doesn't feel the need to explain her art to you. <laughs> I I do love the idea they had the POV of the Evil Dead and the way they use that. It's so active. It pulls you right in. Yeah, I like how it can be right in front of them and then not see it. I think mm. it's... Uh, very, very clever. Poor Cheryl. Yeah. Join us. So this is uh, this is the scene where Raimi re- regrets, right? He doesn't really because uh, originally it wasn't scripted that she is raped by trees and vines. That was something that they just kept going and going and going, and eventually it just happened. Um, and then they he regrets. Uh, putting it in there yeah something to keep in mind uh when you watch films that are a little bit older is you know like at the time they're all incredibly young uh they're kind of making a movie they knew they could sell to the drive-in market back when that was a sure thing to get your money back and uh yeah it's it's a very effective uncomfortable scene it never felt malicious to me yeah yeah it doesn't feel it's not gratuitous it's it literally like it honestly when i watched this when i was younger i didn't even understand you know really what was going on it wasn't until later i was like oh it's right by the trees but it's not it's not it's not violent yeah it's he does it two times he does it in this one and the next one no she's just pulled by the branches in the second one what? How the fuck is this different than the second? Come on. Uh, this one, there's actually a a, a piece of uh, a tree branch that goes directly into her vagina. It stabs it. In the second one, she's just dragged violently through the woods. This one, she's like, there is definitely penetration. I do love these right. scenes with the Evil Dead pushing down the branches. There's some know. really great. Brad, tell tests. tell me when you see the scene where she, the, like it's penetrated in the vagina. Tell, it's like a stab. It's like a. It's like a. It's it's like the very last shot. Oh and you see it. Yeah, and this is where I very. This I is when I very first remember uh, learning about the reverse effect. Yes, <laughs> this is a class. This it, blew my mind when I was a kid. I was like, well, how the fuck are they doing that? And then I remember watching the thing. Like I probably watched them almost close to one another. And then I saw the thing and I was like, how the fuck do they do that? And that's, um, 
that's when I learned about the reverse effect. Well, Rainey uh, was very into the idea of a filmmaker being like a magician. And I think you can really see that here. Yeah, this is incredibly well done. I really hope she got paid more than the other actors. <laughs> Not only for this infamous shot, but just her running through and falling through the bramble and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a very infamous shot. This is the kind, this is the scene you'd like go to school on Monday and be like, dudes, I'm, I'm assuming what guys sound like, dudes, you will fucking believe it, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I said that. Um, but, um, this, this definitely, uh, I mean, we could talk about, you know, since we did, uh, kind of the evil dead. All right, Mike, here we go. <laughs> Coming up. There we go. There's the stab. Yeah. That's, ugh. yeah. Kind of felt that in my soul. Um, I was at a, a bachelor party once and the, uh, one of the dudes, the bachelor party, like assured me that uh, the tree rape came in Evil Dead 1. And I was like, no, dude, it comes in Evil Dead 2. And, like, we, ca- we, we like, argued so much at this party about, like, whether the tree rape was Evil Dead 1 or Evil Dead 2. We drove back to his house, and he put on Evil Dead, and we are like, oh, no, here it is. And then I put on Evil Dead 2, and we found the same, you know, similar scene. But, um, like, why the fuck do you do the same thing two times? guys because well, the, that's the trees are alive like we just said that was the uh water cooler yeah i don't yeah. know they, they, they use they use quite a few of the same gags in the in the second one but that's just i think that's just part of the demonic presence you know it's uh, why wouldn't the though uh, i always thought was interesting the way they're pulling her feet apart with those slippers on it's almost cartoonish uh, the way they film that because it, it's almost a silly thing uh, and then it, it turns so brutal um, they I, I think as effective as this film is they were still refining the balance between humor and horror here uh, it's so effective it's so well done but you do get a few moments like that that uh, will jolt you a bit and I, and I do love like there, there's this shot where she's crawling and obviously that light and the smoke is coming over, but there's so many shots that are obvious that lights are just placed out in the woods and you can see them, but it does still give this really eerie look and it works. Like it doesn't even, it doesn't even feel like a movie mistake. It really doesn't. Like I, I look at it as like, I don't know. It just, it just works. Let me call back to finding the keys. Oh, they're so mean to her character. <laughs> Just the harshest SpongeBob fan art critic <laughs> show for me. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of these uh, actresses, they used uh, stage names because they weren't sure about how the film would turn out. And, uh, it, you know, it was difficult to film, um, but uh, now they've definitely embraced it. They're kind of staples in the horror convention circuit. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I would say probably the Evil Dead series, uh, thanks to Bruce Campbell's, one of the most represented horror movies you'll see in both merchandising and in conventions. And when you see uh, how this first film looks and you learned about the conditions it was made under, that that's crazy. And then eventually became a, a glossy TV show. It's it's really incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. We have a guest appearance with Sam yeah, Raimi's car. Hello. Is, is, is the Delta in there? Yes. You're so lucky. Yeah, he's, um, you know, he, he, I love um, the camaraderie uh, and just the friendship between Campbell and, and Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought you were going to say that you love Bruce Campbell's eyebrows in this, and I was going to agree with you. No, no. No, not at all. No, that's rare and wonderful. You can meet someone so young. Uh, who shares your interests in it, in it that works out for decades. Um, and to me, it's never felt like they were saddled with each other. Um, I, I think they both fit each other's energy incredibly well. And it's personally fun for me. I'm a big Bruce Campbell fan to look out for his cameos and Sam Raimi's bigger pictures. There's the car. And this is the car that's been in every single same yep. film. <laughs> in, in one form or the other. I guess he has uh, four versions of it now. But um, this original one, uh, they actually brought back for the Ash versus the Evil Dead TV show. Like Bruce made sure it was the original, original. And that's impressive. I. <laughs> I do not have cars last that long on me, so kudos to him. Yeah, definitely a lot of work goes into keeping that. Um, that's a bright light. But, um, yeah, there's there's that scene where the, there is that shot, like, right before that, where they're standing outside of the door, and the light is just right behind them. It's just a, like I said, it's just so many, like, just scenes. And, honestly, it's even compared, like, with John Carpenter with Halloween. Just the lighting was quote unquote poorly done but it works incredibly well for the mm-hmm. movie like even stuff like this like it's yeah. out of focus <laughs> the light is way too bright on the actors but it works so well it's just you know it's now i don't know if it's like we're like subconsciously we're more forgiving in situations but this scene where he's walking sideways the sideways walk oh my god just (laughs) so effective yeah it's like they they start walking and she does it too right coming up like she just gets out and like i mean that's obviously just something that Raimi was thinking about doing at the at the time just works again so so well not that it's goofy or anything it's just it's very eerie it's like a Dutch tilt, but not Dutch tilting. It's like the world is Dutch tilting itself into hell. <laughs> so uh, first experiences. Oh, no. That's very traumatizing. Drama. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, that's a great callback, though. 
It's a really, really good callback. But um, well, it also shows her strength because she didn't do like a yeep or anything. It's just almost like, no. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Th- this, uh, I-, I guess you can tell because the actress is there. This wasn't a model. They got welders out there and actually created that. Because it's a model in two, right? Yeah. Yeah. With like claymation. So this is, uh, that's, that's something. Or maybe they just had the rednecks do that. Uh, since you you stole our power tools can you do us a favor i think don't quote me but i think the rednecks actually stole one of the gnarled fingers or someone broke it (laughs) off or something oh you know i i also i i remember i think it was sam Raimi who said that one night he woke up and there was just some random guy in the house drinking moonshine (laughs) yeah and he like he was scared to death. Like one one the the cabin had this like really weird story, I guess, of like kind of uh, being haunted in general with like uh, like a, a mother and like two daughters. Um, so they had that going on, but also there's just people lingering around the house, and also there was hunters. So they had a halt production when the hunters were in the area, so no one would get fucking shot. But, um, yeah, apparently this is, uh, yeah, I don't think they ever disclosed where the cabin was like in real life because, uh, but there's also all these, like another thing that I love about Ramey and Bruce Campbell and, uh, you know, a lot of people in this production is that they make up stories between themselves to see how far they will go. Because there's like a story of Sam Ramey, like burning down the cabin after production. Yeah, but and no one knows if that's true or not. But they won't disclose. They just say that the you know the only thing that's remaining is like the fireplace or something like that. But they won't disclose. Remaining is the fireplace, and that they put the, the the time capsule right, like the like they made a, a time capsule from the film, and they buried it. In the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think no, I think the time capsule thing came. They burned. They like got everything together, and they burned it in the um, fireplace like that was the their the, like their send-off or something like that but um but that's what i'm saying it's like there's so many little stories that that people say are true but they're really not but they could be but they're, they're it's like they're just they're this running gag in in production of all these different stories that are made up like you know, one of honestly, I mean, this is true. Everybody got hurt during production somehow or another. Like everybody um, was injured at some point. Um, but I guess Bruce Campbell the most. Um, but there's a story of like having all his like all, like his teeth knocked out at one point during the film from a cameraman, and then obviously uh, the the other one that's probably more notable is. Um, uh, towards the end with uh, Sam Raimi rode a bicycle uh, through the house to that final scene that he rushes towards Bruce Campbell's character uh, and then ran him over with the camera and uh, gave him a concussion. But I don't even know if that's true or not. But it's just fun to talk about those stories, but it, uh, that also makes me even like the production history a little bit more just because they were just so obviously having a good time, but they were also miserable because <laughs> it was so fucking cold. 
But, um, you know, it's, uh, she, she's such a trooper in this movie. Like she I was just does go through the shit, man. In and out of makeup. Yeah. And, and having the makeup and here's the, the other, I guess, uh, pickup shots. Tell they switched her out. Yeah. <laughs> pickup shots. But they, honestly, that's another thing that works in the film because of the deformities and the, 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 the changing of these, uh, deadites, um, work so well at the same time because they they do change their look it could be anything um but i i I, honestly it's part of us i guess we're we're, uh being more forgiving than normal maybe ellen sandweiss that's her name that plays cheryl that's her name so yeah, it's effects by Tom Sullivan. What? How do we feel about these effects? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I think everything works on um, multiple levels as, as stuff being you know goofy, uh, stuff that looks you know good. Um, the movie's nasty. It's bloody. It's gooey. I mean, I think everything works. Um, The only thing I think that doesn't work, but it's also very impressive, is the claymation stuff that they do. Um, But it it still works for the movie. And, like, stuff like this, this is just great. Yeah, again, it's that um, dead-eye POV shots. Yeah, there's there's one uh, later in the movie where the camera is like scooted across the floor um, where they're pulling, I think his, his girlfriend out and um, they just scoot her across the floor. And then you see Cheryl like still looking up. It's not even really focused on that much. It's just, she's there. Right. It's like the idea that these things are always, uh, always watching. And this is great because this is normally a standard filler scene in a slasher movie. Like, what are we going to do? And uh, just by doing it from this basement point of view with that gnarled hand right there, it uh, completely invests you. And normally I, I feel like this was, would be when you'd get up, go to the bathroom or grab a beer. But instead, uh, just because of that point of view, you're paying attention. That's one of the many reasons why uh, re-watching this movie, it always feels very fresh to me. Yeah, it keeps up the momentum. And even like a shot like this with them at the fireplace, there's that open window that is just, you know, nothing. It's not really like she's walking to it now, but the idea that that window is so much in frame that there's nothing there just gives that opportunity of the voyeurism of you know these things that are always watching and then it switches to getting closer and it's right there watching them just there's a lot of effective moments uh, doing that that no one was really doing at the time yeah and i don't know if it's just me but these shots from the outside it almost looks like it's a dollhouse that they're just looking into a dollhouse there's something about the perspective that really throws me off yeah complete voyeurism and it's just and it it works so well and it's in it and you know like i said it's not really done before but no one really continued it as well like no one like there are those scenes in movies where killers are watching from the pov 
but it doesn't do it as effectively as something like an evil dead and continuously as well. Like it's just always going. And you know, that that's the thing. Another thing I like about the film is that, you know, quickly within 20 minutes of the movie, we're already thrown in with this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's so well written and the characters are so the chemistry between them is so great that we don't need exposition with anybody. We, we just automatically feel like we're part of this group. Um, and even just a shot like this swinging by Scott back and forth, he's just going to get grabbed out of the you know window, but he doesn't, it just keeps everything on edge um, for these movies or this movie, I should say. Yeah, the way the fog is rolling in, uh, you could almost imagine the movie taking a more cosmic horror or even ghostly turn. Yeah. There's almost a, a really nice absurdism into how classic and kind of overwrought just that little simple scene is. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting choices. I think it's a it's a nice mix between a young filmmaker kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and uh, someone who's naturally talented and was making super eight films from a young age uh, and just innately had that talent and would go on to have a, a very successful career. It matured so, so well, e- even though, I mean, discount the, you know, the, the Spider-Man movies, like, you know, doing, a com- like crime wave next and then of course we talk about for love of the game <laughs> well then, yeah that's one of them in the and the gift and um you know a even something, something like yeah a simple plan is one well, simple plan yeah that that's genius yeah. but it's just it's just maturity of a filmmaker that uh you know comes from I mean, but we also have a lot of people like this with even like someone like Peter Jackson that makes oh yeah a bloodbath that goes on to do, um, you know, even like Lord of the Rings. And, you know, it, it just shows you the wide range of talent from these guys. Like there's just so much more to them than this or something so big. Like Spielberg is an example too. Um, I think uh, there's something they're easy to imitate because uh, they like right there, such an iconic shot. And you can do a cheap copy of that, but all the endless copycats of these movies, uh, they don't have the innovation. They they're not really thinking about they're just copying the biggest, more obvious beats. And when you do have a young filmmaker, yeah, like Raimi and Jack Jackson, it, they did not shoot films like the ripoff guys. And it's a basic thing to say, but it really is just these touches, these flourishes that that extra bit of thought makes all the difference. Like, I guess uh, Raimi really drove people crazy because he was big on getting every single angle. And then when it would come to like the acting shots, they wouldn't have a whole lot of time. Um, but he's he's kind of learning uh, how important that was going to be for him here. In these um, the story of these contacts that they wear oh, is fucking horrifying. Well, f- the first thing people should know is their glass. 
Yeah. So like even like when my mom was growing up and they introduced contacts at first, like they, you could feel them in your eyes and, and, and they were so heavy. Um, but these were color contacts and not meant to be used like contacts and be worn for long periods of time. Your eyes would dry out, but um, they had to wear them. And, and it was mainly, <laughs> mainly the women that had to get fitted for them first and had to wear them, especially uh, Sandra who plays Cheryl. Um, there were, I, I, I remember hearing that she would just keep them in and just, kind of get angry like let's continue to fucking film because i don't want to put these back in let's just you know because they were only supposed to be worn like 10 or 15 minute periods yeah 15 minutes because your eyes can't breathe yeah and she would just want to keep filming certain scenes because she could not stand to like keep putting them in and having them in and that's why you know cheryl's such a fucking trooper in this movie because she really does like just churn it out. I mean, everybody, everybody, but um, I definitely have to give more love to the woman that is uh, you attacked by a tree. Have to. Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's no running water. Yeah, they didn't have um, any plumbing or anything like that. Which is which is terrible, you know. That's the thing is like you know you hear that, but literally, you know, do not like. I mean, I guess everybody has it. Have those moments where you don't have running water or your power goes out, even for thirty minutes. It's the worst fucking thirty minutes of your life. <laughs> like you know, we don't think about you're hyper aware happen. of it. Right. And it's just like they were living in these conditions for fucking like, I mean, I know that they would travel back and forth, but they, a lot of them started spending the night, obviously, because they, you know, they were having stuff stolen and things like that. Um, So they they had uh, another place that was what, 30 minutes away um, that they would. uh, So basically the the women would go and have the makeup applied at like their other like hotel or house that they were staying at and then travel. Uh, to the fucking woods, um, walk up a big hiking trail, basically, because there was no roads to to this place, really, uh, from, like, the highway. It was all dirt roads. Um, so they didn't <laughs> – they had a car, like, drop them off, like, halfway or something like that, if I remember correctly. And then they had to walk with all this fucking makeup on, sit around all day um, while they are trying to get these shots. Um you can't fucking pay people to do that. Like these days, like even pay them. Like you can't like, obviously these people were getting paid a lot of money, probably nothing at all. Um, but you know, cause everybody's probably, they all probably put money into it too. And then they didn't really do anything afterwards. Oh. That's a great moment for Ash against the wall. When, before he became hail to the king baby. <laughs> yeah, the, the evolution of, of Ash is, is something that I do enjoy um, through, through the films. It's, he is kind of, uh, you know, he's a ladies' man. He's comforting to people. He's, friend, he's, he's everybody's best friend. And he really doesn't know what to make of everything when it f- starts to happen. But, Which is relatable. <laughs> 
Yeah, which, which is great. I mean, we can all relate to um, Ash in this situation. And, um, you know, another thing that I like about this is even the relationship between Scott and Ash is that there, there's no, like, fuck you, man, this is what we're doing. Like, there's no, like, trying to take control. There's literally this instinct of survival that they have to do. Um, and that, in, in yeah. Scott turns, like, right around here, it says, like, <laughs> you know, uh, didn't he say, like, it's your girlfriend or yeah, something? Yeah, your girlfriend's your problem. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... This is the extent of the assholeness that the movie goes. It doesn't have like, you know, Night of the Living Dead where it's like, fuck you. But again, both films have these weird similarities. So what's your first, um, since we did it with uh, Night, here's the thing with the lights. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not the most elegant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> out um, of the film. But uh, first experiences with um, with Evil Dead since we did it with Night uh, Night of Living Dead. Because I have a fun one. Oh, okay. Mine is not fun. <laughs> well, oh. I, it's nice, but you know, it's not particularly interesting. Um, you know, like I said, uh, I started sneaking horror movies, and then when my parents. I didn't become a serial killer or anything. And they're like, fine, watch them. Um, for my 13th birthday, my mom got me the videotapes of the first four Friday the 13th and Evil Dead 1 and 2. I was incredibly excited because I bought them reading about my mom did. Oh, wow. That's for awesome. my birthday. And yeah, it, it was a very happy birthday. And I remember I put in the Evil Dead. I was so excited because it was so famous and notorious. And it was grueling to me because, uh, again, I was brand new to horror movies. And That's what I had. One. Yeah. Yeah. I had seen like uh, Pinocchio's Revenge, like that level of horror movie. I couldn't finish it. <laughs> I stopped midway through this. And, it, uh, and I would stop right here. Yeah, and I had to come back to it. And I finished this is I was like terrifying. And I finished it. Um finally I was like, wow, that was really terrifying. And when I got to the Evil Dead 2, I was so scared <laughs> about putting it in and, into the VCR. And thankfully it, it was it had so much humor put in that I was like, oh one this is great and two i didn't know you could be funny in horror movies this changes everything for me uh so yeah the first time i saw the evil dead it was so intense i had to stop it midway through that's it's a lovely story actually i like that <laughs> but i i it's funny because um even though i was introduced to horror at a very 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 young age i didn't see evil dead until i was uh 13 or 14 um, that was my first time. And um, the one thing, the very first memory I have of Evil Dead is that uh, the video store uh, that we would go in didn't have the first Evil Dead. They just had Evil Dead 2. So I would constantly see that skull. Mm. Um, and I just didn't know what it was, but it kind of creeped me out because it was watching me, right? So years went by, years went by. And um, eventually, uh, there was a video store. Uh, Blockbuster didn't even have it. Um, there's a video store, uh, video hut 
that was down the street, kind of more mom and pop place, um, a chain around here, but I think more of a chain mom and pop place. Um, not sure how far Video Hut went. Um, so uh, my parents, they would uh, do big gambling weekends. So they would uh, like go to Biloxi, Mississippi. And our neighbor or community was pretty close. So they would leave me alone when I was around 13 or 14 uh, for a couple days. Uh, you know, they'd give me a bunch of food, money for pizza. And my mom would take me to the video store and I would rent like 15 movies. Um, and I would just watch them while they were gone. I mean, that was perfect for me. I was going to do that anyway. So I remember, uh, renting the evil dad. I was like, Oh shit, here's that movie. Um, and I, and I rented the first one and, uh, I watched it later at night and, uh, I was scared for like one of the very first times in my life, I was scared while watching a movie. Like some things like some things affected me, like, you know, child's play and Nightmare on Elm street and scream actually did a little bit as well uh, later on. Um, Mainly the home invasion aspect. Uh, But this really creeped me out. And I was very tired when I was watching it. And, um, I dozed off um, and it's one of the scenes. I don't think it's happened yet, but it's when Cheryl pops up and she's still chained in that uh, cellar. Um, I woke up to her screaming and, you know, yelling. And I was so startled by that. I, I turned off the movie um, and I didn't finish it. I was like, I have to watch this in the morning. Um, and I did. I, I turned it off and I, and I watched it, uh, you know, finished it. I actually rewound it because I, you know, I don't know how long I was, fell asleep for. Uh, it's not that I was bored. I was just really, really tired. Um, and uh, I was honestly like I wanted to fall asleep because I was scared. So I like, turned it off and I went to bed like immediately because I was I didn't want to think about it. Um, and I was I woke up and I was like, man, I'm fucking like I think it was 13 or 14. Saying I'm 13 or 14, I'm scared of this fucking movie. Like, what the hell's wrong with me? Um, but I finished it the next day, and I, uh, I mean, I still still enjoy the film uh, a great deal. And I do find some of these sequences still very, very effective and terrifying. Um, it just works uh, kind of all around. What about you, Mike? Did you have to stop it midway through? <laughs> me? Yes, yes, you're the other one in the room. No, no, I didn't stop it midway through when I first watched it. Um, (laughs) Gosh, I I think the first time I watched it was probably late 90s. Um, I was in drama club. (laughs) I remember uh, Marcy Skolnick was was in charge of drama club at the time. Um God, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't remember. No, I don't I don't remember the first time I watched it. I, like I kind of have an idea, but no. So nothing memorable or sweet like <laughs> like Steph or myself. Yeah, I mean I mean honestly, I I think it's I think it's very um it's 
very interesting kind of like how movies do affect other people. Cause I remember like people telling me certain stories, uh, you know, about uh, certain films that, you know, really terrified them. And it's just like, Oh man, I thought that was like cake when I was like eight, <laughs> like it didn't really affect me at all. Um, and then something like, uh, you know, the exorcist for me, the, um, bouncing in the bed, um, that fucking did me in. That was one of the most horrifying moments in the history of movies for me. That scarred me for a long time. Um, but this just kind of scared me. It is kind of, and I always took that, you know, I attribute to Evil Dead as a movie that scared me in my teens, um, which is very, very Which rare. is impressive. Yeah, which is, you know, something that doesn't very happen very often, um, especially around that time because I was so desensitized with horror um, that this really did kind of frighten me to the point where I turned it off. You know, I probably even slept with the light on at that night. I don't remember, but um, yeah, really uh, kind of did me in. That's why I'm point out Bruce Campbell is very cute in this movie, but he is incredibly attractive in those particular shots. <laughs> Getting stabbed by Cheryl. Or not Cheryl. What's her name? God damn it. I always forget the names. And she is looking that blood good. Yeah, so she has that classic kind of demented dolly thing going on with hers. Uh, Does that usually affect either of you in a film? Like more like the la, 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 la. Um, not so, I mean, yeah, it just depends. Like, it really has to be, like, the one thing that really kind of, like, does me in with that stuff is, like, a childlike thing. So if they act like a kid, that can bother me. Um, with, with kids, like, uh, like horror films that involve kids acting like little kids uh, or like even like chanting and not acting like little kids, but um, they like the singing, dancing shit that really kind of does me in. So a little bit um, just, I guess more in the sense of here's a scene I was talking about. Um, but, uh, the Dolly stuff for sure does, does me in. What about you, Mike? Nothing scares me, Brad. Oh, nothing at all? No, no, I'm, I'm super freaked out by like a lot of things, but, um, not in movies. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't have a memory of this movie scaring me. I have a memory of this movie. So, so the big thing I, I guess I would like to say here is uh, that this movie has not uh, uh, frightened me in any way. Like it's it's only inspired me. And like when when Sarah and I talk about uh, these bloodbaths, like when we do uh, Shakespeare, like Titus Andronicus and we want to do, uh, you know, like a big bloodbath you know uh 
we're only looking at movies like uh, Evil Dead. Um, <laughs> That's cool. And uh, Raimi did a short Shakespeare film before this. So I think he has the same thought process as you. Oh. Interesting. But um, I don't, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think we have, I'm not super freaked out by this movie, but, um, but I am continually inspired by it, <laughs> like all the time. Yeah, no, I, I want to say like, this is a, a film that um, with, with, uh, you know, kind of the DVD era with commentary, um, you know, them talking, I remember watching um, when I very first, uh, you know, DVDs were a thing and this came out um, with them talking about how it was made and, and investigating the stuff for myself, uh, learning how they did things. It really did inspire me to become a filmmaker um, just as much as uh, The Shining was a big thing for me to be, want to become a filmmaker. But this is, uh, these films taught me how to, you know, how to achieve that on, you know, what I was, if I was going to do it by myself, I just wasn't lucky enough to have friends like Sam and, you know, George Romero to have people basically pour their heart and souls into a project, um, you know, for, you know, not requesting to really get paid or anything like that. Just kind of just going at it, given they're all, I think it's, but that's, I guess, again, that's what makes me in, kind of enjoy these movies a little bit more um, than just, you know, visually uh, and just being a horror film. There's, there's a lot more to it. There was that scene I was talking about going back and forth of her looking and get that nostril shot there. Something you get to bury your girlfriend. It's gonna lose a rough day. But like Scott said, she's your girlfriend. Take care of her. Yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I do like that this is one of the more interesting plot aspects uh, for them to flesh out more in Evil Dead 2. Oh, kind of the beginning of it. And this is one of the shots they had to pick up later because um, I guess it was unusable for some of the other uh, other footage. So if you, you could tell it's uh, somebody else in a wig, it's probably Ted. Yeah, but it is a great shot. It, it both has kind of a Fulci thing, uh, just a classic universal horror. Yeah, that dirt placement is God's work. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great point. Because and I that imagine... Slice. Yeah. Framing his face perfectly. They, they did that, and it was just like it was meant to be. So another uh, another thing we didn't really touch on was, um, or yet, unless Steph was saving it, because Steph's the evil dead expert here, um, is that uh, Stephen King was a huge proponent of getting this film even uh, better distribution and uh, getting the second one even off the ground. Um, right. 
he was a huge, huge fan of the movie and um, helped it even get a wider release by his, uh, you know, stamp of approval and then getting uh, the second one uh, made. So just the, you know, just right place, right time. And this is definitely something that would Stephen King would love. Um, oh, yeah. Especially during this time with, uh, you know, what he was doing at the time with between that, what he was writing, the drugs just really hit him probably perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And that's funny. Uh, when they first started filming this, The Shining uh, was like running trailers <laughs> about to come out. So that's an interesting time. But yeah, just ask Clive Barker, a well-placed Stephen King quote, the beginning of your career can make a huge difference. Yeah. Stephen King did drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Read yeah. Cujo and get back to us. Yeah. Or just watch Maximum Overdrive. I love Maximum Overdrive. No, I, I do too. But he <laughs> claims he doesn't remember one day on set. He also claims that he doesn't remember writing Cujo. (laughs) (laughs) So basically a lot of drugs for a long time. Now I will say, I I, I was talking about kind of continuity and that's an awful, awful face. The continuity, the the only thing that does bother me is uh, the continuity of the blood. Okay. Um, Like, Ash is covered from time to time, but he ends up walking away with no blood. I just wish that he was drenched and it was just red and black the entire time. Like we <laughs> couldn't even really make out his face. But so, um, like the newer Evil Dead movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much like that. Which that's something that I, I really, uh, I really did like. Um, kind of the the aspect of. Um, you know, just being drenched in, in blood. That I like that you mentioned that earlier, that this is a very regional film. Uh, it blew up obviously, but um, I love that you can tell they actually went to a real cabin <laughs> And they're actually filming in it. There's, I think that's another thing that helps it out too. Yeah the the idea we're was, really in there with them. Yeah, with the with the cabin, the cabin's very um, very creepy. Like even though it's a like a real cabin, um, it's just like the the way that everything's placed, the way it looks. It's just that was actually real ammunition. I do remember that. Real ammunition on a dummy. Came um, back with a worse mask. Yeah, but um, yeah, the, the the size of the door frames, uh, how small the rooms are, it's very claustrophobic and weird. Are there usually basements and cabins? Um, probably not. I would say there are any basements out here in the southwest, so <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I spent time in like cabins and shit like that, going back and forth with vacations. I don't ever remember basements. Mainly because it's a getaway. It's not like, you know, like old timey cabins. Uh, they would have like kind of a uh, kind of a cellar area. To oh, yeah, for your food. preserves and whatnot. Yeah. But it was mainly like something just like this, where it's just the steps some shelving that's it not really 
way underneath because you'd have to have support beams and everything else. But uh, quick vote: so, uh, better horror location in the house, attic or basement? Um, basements, I think. Yeah, at because the attic to me, like, there's only so much you like, only so many places you could go because of, you know, unless there's flooring up there and like for giant houses and, you know, very expensive houses. But for the most part, I mean, no one can really live up there. People can live in the basement. That's where the evil, evil dwells. Can I get that? Look at this evidence. Look at all that blood. Well, this is where everything starts bleeding. This is another great, great scene. Yeah, and it's uh, a Three Stooges nod. <laughs> another one to uh, a plumbing we will go. Yeah. Projectors and horror movies. Uh, always a good choice. And there's the we're gonna get you. That is the now see like stuff like that. I think is that's creepy for me. Like the oh, chanting, the, yeah, the chanting, the child's like stuff. That's um, that's something that can really uh, get under my skin. This is a shotgun that I guess Bruce Campbell bought for for the film. Um, it says it kind of uh, interesting that they would do the live ammunition, but I guess when you're doing DIY stuff yourself, I mean, it's probably pretty common to have line, you know, because to have, you know, a fake gun to shoot blanks, probably more costly than actually the gun and really. Yeah, yeah. So another shot that just is kind of out of place, but works so, so well. I like the band-aids with all the blood. That's kind of that's that's obviously probably intentional, but that that's really fucking funny. Yeah. So I think uh, Bruce Campbell does an incredible job uh, by his just kind of affable second banana in the beginning of the film to being pushed into heartbroken madness. I, I think he's underrated as an actor. He definitely has a type people like hiring him as, and he can be very hammy, but I think it's always appropriate. And when he does have to do more nuanced things, I think he's really good. So uh, I think this is, did we just pick Evil Dead so you could propose to uh Bruce Campbell, is that like kind of the idea here that you're... Uh, no, he, he has a beautiful <laughs> wife who did a great job on the costumes and Army of Darkness. Uh, oh, Sam Raimi is actually upside down on the ceiling for this. I love Oh, wow. That. That's... Um... Yeah, he had like the camera taped to his hand just in case. That's dedication. Yeah, just for a shot like that, something, uh, something that small. It's a nice transition too. There's just a lot of things that are going on like in this movie, like scene after scene. That's just very, it's inventive. It's creepy. 
it it works on so many levels but just there, there's just like like all oh, this stuff right is. here yeah i feel like that's when future ash was born that shot well it's kind of like uh with evil dead too this is when everything starts laughing when things are moving like this and that's he starts to get more into that uh that character his last name is williams right that's uh mm-hmm. that's what yeah. they eventually said there was a, something where it was Holt at one time was the last name, and then eventually they just want something more traditional, but they never say it in the movie, right? They never say it's Ashley Williams. In the first one, no. Oh. On their first mirror gag, they continue experimenting with those in the series, which is always fun. Yeah, that's another thing that always um, was very effective on me. <laughs> was uh was uh mirror gags with what's on the other side i don't know if it was like prince of darkness that really did that for me but um really it's another thing that creeps me out is old timey mirrors i feel like that window pane that uh he just shot through when it's sectioned off in four in four segments like that, isn't it a separate little window for each segment <laughs> normally? I don't know. I just feel like it was I, a breakaway window and they only had one of them. <laughs> I had to leave it hanging there like that. Yeah. So what do we think about super purple bruise? That was definitely a choice. That stays. The blood doesn't, but the the purple, the purple bruise is just probably some heavy makeup. Um, like probably from one of the girls, just stays there because it doesn't even it doesn't even it doesn't look like a bruise. But again, it's another thing that just kind of works. I'll call back to that necklace, which apparently Bruce Campbell hates. He thinks it's really ugly. But Sam Raimi originally wanted to do kind of a gag with it being a magnifying mirror, but it didn't work out. Bruce Campbell also says he hates the car. Yeah, <laughs> like a vendetta about yeah. how it stays around. Yeah, that's another thing. There, there are filmmakers uh, like Kevin Smith where they create this behind-the-scenes mythos of all these relationships they have, and I think that's another thing uh, that keeps these so popular is you learn about the personalities behind. You can kind of they kind of feel like friends in a way. Yeah. So you learn all these little stories and I think it just endears you to the films even more. Yeah. And I think that's the wave of, you know, filmmakers too. Um, You know, they watch these things and they learn so much because it shows on screen as well. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, certain things you're like, man, how did you do that? Other things it's like, Oh, that's, you know, this is probably what they did. And it just inspires people so much. Um, to to make films. So it's just a wave of inspiration for these up and coming people like in the nineties, early two thousands. And again, like when stuff, you know, like Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, any of these films, George Romero, Carpenter, Raimi, they're all, Peter Jackson, they're all making these movies that are low budget to the point, but, you know, obviously inspiring countless people. That was a very Peter Jackson like shot in my opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah, any of what, like the old, uh, I even kind of attributed that to the old callbacks to old samurai films. Mm, when yeah. they would chop chop people's arms off and just the geyser. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, Tarantino kind of brought it back in a bigger way with like Kill Bill, but um, the old gag from the 60s and 70s. Yeah, this, I think, uh, was one of the very, I I actually remember this was a hard scene for me to get through the first time I saw it. It it really did just feel like punishment. And now I'm just thinking about the effects, uh, thinking about what it took to film up at the time. I was completely transported. And we have the character arc uh, for that necklace, which I appreciate. <laughs> and here she is again, all dolled up. Definitely the MVP of the ladies. Yeah, then they then they came back all these years later, and they became what like the ladies of the Evil Dead doing cons and everything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of because uh, again, you know, just like Romero's, it's they didn't really Ooh. go on to do that much. Uh, most of them, you know, it was just kind of this and some cameos years and years later when that was. Um, you know, kind of their their thing. Um, doing these like small little conventions and then gaining fame. I think that's really cool too. Is when you do something so small at the time. This is just this is literally just a passion project for them. Doing it with friends. Um, you know these these actors. They're they're not actors. They're just doing this for fun watching something blow up and only doing that and then moving to something else. And then this is the thing that you are, you know, uh, known for, for the rest of your life, no matter what you do. So it's just a, a fun, um, and here's this, here's the stuff I was talking about. It's very surprising. Yeah. Does it, does it work? Does it work for you? I mean, it, it's so different from the rest of the film. It does take you out. You know they're using specific techniques that don't match the rest of the film. Yeah. But I do. It's It, it gives an otherworldly quality. And it's just so interesting, even if it doesn't match perfectly. It's so fascinating and weird to watch that I, I love it. And this is one of the shots I had to pick up way later. Um, hence oh, why it's so okay. close up on um, close up on uh, Ash right now. There's the cornmeal, oatmeal. Yeah, corn. It was cornmeal, oatmeal, and then cockroaches. Oh. Yeah, this is all. All these shots were were picked up later. This just makes makes me feel just dirty and grimy just looking at it oh and this like i i also this is now this is something i really love because it shows you that there's something even bigger like that is out there yeah so re-watching the movie gives you even a different kind of uh feel because we know that there's it's something more than just these possessed people it's literally this huge demonic force and cockroaches. 
Yeah. So they filmed that in somebody else's basement. And I remember them saying that the wife was not happy um, with them doing it. Well, they always say don't allow films to use your house for anything. (laughs) Yeah. And um, again, that could be a joke between uh, Raimi and everybody saying that, but uh, that seems a little bit more real that there is a lot of pressure on the relationship of the husband and wife that own the house because she was not happy with the roaches being brought in to her home. Maybe she got over it after the movie was successful. You should look into that. Yeah. Because I think that would change things a little bit, right? Now that's some very clean, artful looking blood. Yeah. That's I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. The, the, like I said, the continuity of the blood really does. Um, I just, I just kind of want to see it. Like, you know. I want Ash to look like a, he went to a war concert after me. <laughs> yeah, there it's more of a slayer, rain of blood kind of thing. <laughs> oh, the morning after. Surely everything has to be okay now. Which is funny because, like, does he feel like he's one or is it just mourning? Because obviously he didn't do anything to really kill the demon because obviously those big hands came from somewhere and there's no evidence that he has won but i guess he you know he's still it's good because he's still afraid like it is morning so it's easier like you know he's trepidatious but he he mentioned earlier he really got it into his head that once the sun comes out you're safe it's like okay the sun they might be a bigger force than it looks like, but so is the sun, damn it. And I have it on my side right now. That's why daytime horror really works for me. Yeah, yeah. Because... Inside. Right, yeah. So this is um, partially them using the two-by-four then cutting into Sam Raimi riding a bicycle, I believe. So the cut is probably somewhere with these doors and then last shot of Ash. Great closing shot. And the jazz music really works too. Yeah. It it gives it kind of a upbeat feel until Peter's out at the end. It kind of reminds me of maybe kind of a callback to um, George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Like the original US cut for that has that dun 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 like kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought you were gonna say Woody Allen, but you didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh so yeah, how do you still feel the same about the movie after watching it again? Again, again? Yeah, yeah. No, it's um this is always stuck with me. It's like I again with um Evil Dead, I I'm not I'm not a diehard fan. I've said on the screencast, uh, you know, uh, many times. I'm, I'm not Joel Cohen. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, not uh, not a huge, huge uh, um, fan. There's some John Cameron, Scott Spiegel, who mm-hmm. all the you know in Robert Taylor, they all cre- they basically all work together to create Xena, the warrior. Princess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he uh, married her. 
Yeah. And then uh, the Hercules show with Kevin Sorbo. Um, but um, we didn't talk about that earlier. Uh, but anyways, um, these guys did so many funky projects together. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, The Evil Dead for me works as a horror film and, and, and it really hits me in that space of, you know, regional horror DIY stuff, but it's also, you know, a movie that scared me. There's a lot of things going for it. It inspired me to become a filmmaker because I realized like, this is just normal guys that had a little bit of schooling, but really they don't know what they're doing other than learning from making short film after short film, after short film, doing their own, thing but even after all that experience there's so many things that in this film that it feels like a first time uh quote-unquote filmmaker it's our first feature film but it just you know it really is such an amateur uh production um but it hits me in all those spots it was uh, the thing that i guess has always like if this was a standalone film and evil dead 2 and army of darkness didn't exist i I would probably, I don't know, those movies kind of really uh, overshadowed this one because it seems that everybody talks about Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2. And I was yeah, always like, you know, they're quotable. And- yeah, it's like this movie did it more for me. And then I, I guess I was always at a time in my life uh, all through growing up is that everybody wanted to talk about Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. I'm like, I don't even like those movies. I like Evil Dead. And eventually I just kind of shut down over time. And I revisit Evil Dead every once in a while. It's been probably a good, probably 10 or 15 years uh, since I saw it more recently, um, which is like today. Um and like the day before, cause I wanted to brush up on a couple things of memories, but, um, you know, I, I actually like it a little bit more now that I watched it again, but oh, I, you know, I, again, I revisit movies every, every 10 to 15 years, depending, uh, more it changes a little bit with my kid, my daughter, which she watched this, um, for the and first did she time. Like it? Um, no, Aww. <laughs> she, she she didn't um i i don't know if it was she was just we watched it pretty late so it might have been she was tired good but, illustration um, yeah so so maybe um yeah i know that's funny um so maybe maybe in due time we'll we'll give it another shot i told her there were two more and then she rolled her eyes and she said no um <laughs> So she won't be, she didn't watch Evil Dead 2 with me. Uh, she probably won't watch Army of Darkness. Um, but, you know, it's something that uh, maybe she'll, over time, she'll want to revisit. Who knows? Well, that was the Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, the Evil Dead. And so hopefully we'll be back uh, next week with something else. Um, why, Steph, why don't you just pick it now? Uh, I can't. It's too much pressure. Oh, wow. I thought you already had this on deck. You were ready. But, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back uh, next week with um, another one, hopefully. Thanks for listening. See ya.
Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.